Hello beautiful aliens and welcome to our podcast Living Autistically. I'm Liv and I'm Mick and today we're going to talk about how we both found out we're autistic. For this episode there is a content warning. Um, we will be talking about different mental illnesses like eating disorders and depression and we will mention suicidal tendencies and uh, abusive relationships probably. We are not talking about numbers of weight and food and stuff. We will be trying to keep it away from really triggering things, but we will be talking about those things. So if you think that might trigger you, then please just skip this episode. We won't be offended at all. But if you do listen to it and you get triggered, then uh, please just take care of yourself, be kind to yourself and reach out to people. Yeah. Um, do you want to start? Yeah, maybe it's good to say first that I'm really bad at improvised talking and that's exactly what we're going to do here. So, yeah. Yeah, we really want it to be more kind of a, a conversation between the two of us, but I think that's scary for both of us. But yeah, we still want to try it out. So let's see what happens. Yeah, I think that when it's scripted that it gets just very strict and static almost and i want it to be a conversation where it's just like we're talking with you sitting on the couch you know like just hanging out and having a conversation about this stuff but yeah i often have thoughts in my head what i want to say and then when it comes out it's something totally different like <laughs> so we'll see how it goes let's just uh, dive into it yeah do you want to start a bit more about your story and then we see what happens yeah, sure. Yeah, let's start when I was a child, I think. <laughs> um, so I only found out that I am autistic uh, when I was 25 and I'm now 26, so that's not very long ago. Um, yeah, when I was a child, I always uh, felt very different than other people. I didn't really know what was different, but I just felt like I was from a different species, you know, like I literally was thinking that I might be an alien <laughs> at points, like, uh, I really thought so. And I really struggled with uh, friends and how that works. I just didn't know how friendship works, you know? Yeah, how did you handle friendship then? Like, when you had a friend, how was that relationship? Well, it was or a very, very strong relationship that just from one day to the other was non-existent. Or I was just constantly wondering, like, are we friends or do they hate me or what, what's going on here? You know, like I never understood those relationships. And I also had a lot of the times that I just was not friends anymore with somebody from one day to the other. And I really never mm. understood why that was or what happened still to this day. I do not know. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought it was my fault. But um yeah, I'm not sure. I just I just was not really... I didn't understand friendships. That's just what it is. And still, to this day, like, I do not know. Like, when do you call somebody a friend? Or, like, what, what are the rules? Yeah, also, like, where's the line between friendship or relationship? Mm -hmm. I sometimes think that that doesn't make any sense. If, like, one human you choose, okay, we are in a relationship, and we have kind of the similar relationship, then we're friends, only yeah. that we also kiss. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I spent more time with you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, as a child, I was, yeah, I think I do not know a lot from my childhood anymore. I was just, I don't remember a lot. Um, but when I will just go on at where the problem started. That was when I <laughs> was around, uh, I think thirteen years old, or yeah, before that I was also. Uh, uh, I was already developing an eating disorder, but around my 13th it got more serious and I got help for it when I was uh, 14. And yeah, it was all thrown on the pile of uh, my parents getting a divorce because that was what was happening when I was 14. So they thought, well, it's around the same time, so it's probably that. Um, and then I went into a whole loop of therapy and treatments and all that fun stuff you know like um, I got uh, admitted to a hospital when I was 16 for my eating disorder and after that I went to a eating disorder clinic where I stayed for nine months it's a pretty long time um, and I was already really masking and mirroring and stuff and 
I was there put in a group with other people that were having a hard time, like people with uh, personality disorders and depression and also eating disorders. And I just copied a lot of their behaviors. Yeah, that's not very helpful then in that situation. No. But uh, just a question before you go on. Uh, did anybody ever come up to you and mention that you might be autistic until then? At that point, no. Okay. No. Oh, but um, my mom did ask the psychiatr psychiatrist, <laughs> the psychiatrist there, um, if it might be autism because that's something that runs in the family. Um, but yeah, no, I was not autistic because I was uh, social and I just had mood problems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they also gave me like a pre-diagnosis of borderline personality disorder because they cannot diagnose you until you're 18. But there is like this sort of a before, like a pre-diagnosis yeah. of, I don't know, uh, uh, that your personality is not developing good or something. I'm not sure what it's called in yeah. English. I got also social anxiety diagnosed there. And depression, yeah. Yeah, that's just like all diagnoses that lots of uh, autistic people get in their yeah. lifetime, right? Yeah, definitely, yeah. But yeah, so I was there for nine months and I was copying all of the people's behaviors. Then uh, there I got stuck in a relationship with one of the guys from there. And that was a pretty abusive relationship. Um, I was in there for three years. That's something that a lot of autistic people are vulnerable for. So I think it's worth mentioning that. There needs to be talked more about the vulnerability of autistic people and uh, yeah, in relationships and stuff, because mm-hmm. that's just not being talked about enough. I yeah, think. and you also just don't know at such a young age how relationships work. You know, you don't yeah. have a clear script of, okay, this is healthy and this is not healthy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where autistic people are a bit more vulnerable than yeah. neurotypical people. Yeah, and also it was my first, like, yeah, in brackets, serious relationship. So um, that's where I learned a lot of uh, things about relationships, you know, but they were all wrong and I only, only figuring that out the co- last couple of years. Yeah. But then I was uh, 17, I think, and... Yeah, I had a lot of relapses and and new disorders and I tried taking my life already a couple of times and it was a whole mess and that just continued until I was uh, 21 in and out of hospital. And when I was 21, I tried to kill myself again. Um, still nobody saw autism in me, if, even though I had already seen like I think more than 10 psychiatrists at that point yeah. and yeah but you were also just really really great at masking you know like uh, you it's a great <laughs> skill to have <laughs> yeah well not really I guess no. I mean that's now difficult to answer but um, yeah I think that's why it was so not obvious to lots of people maybe because you just made yourself fit in very good yeah and also in therapy i had a lot of group therapy because they by that time they had uh, diagnosed me with borderline personality disorder and for people with borderline personality disorder it's good to have treatment in a group Hmm. but there i learned without me noticing it but i learned to for example when i would have a meltdown for example Mm -hmm. and i wouldn't call that a meltdown because that was seen as a mental breakdown I'm really not sure what's the difference. I just learned that other people, when they experienced that, that, uh, for example, they were very angry about something or that there was always uh, someone to point it to, you know, Um, or something that happened. Like, (laughs) this is what I mean with not being (laughs) able to talk. They could also always pin it back to a certain point where that changed, you know, where their mood changed and where they got very angry or sad or whatever and for me meltdowns are triggered by being overstimulated Uh, but I just didn't know that at that point because nobody had ever told me that that was a possibility so I just 
took over from other people. Like, for example, when I would have a meltdown, then I would say, well, I was very angry. And that would be the case, but sometimes also not, you know? Like, but yeah. I just didn't know what else it would be. And I didn't know how to explain that because I just didn't have the words for it. Yeah. Yeah, how was it then, uh, like, apart from the clinic, did you have hobbies that you engaged in and how was it there? Did you see uh, things that might have been more difficult because of you being autistic or uh, less difficult? Um, I think at that age my hobbies were smoking weed and partying, <laughs> actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I... Yeah. Oh, this chair is creaking. Um, I didn't really, yeah, dyeing my hair was a hobby, but my life actually at that point really looked like going to a party and then partying wild. I mean, like, wild. <laughs> 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 Sleeping in a garage and like yeah. very wild parties. Um, and then I would just lock myself into my room for a couple of days, two weeks. And to then recover? Or? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I always thought that I was then just depressed, that that was my depression. Mm -hmm. But that definitely was just overstimulation and it was not healthy for me to do the partying. But I also didn't know how to cope with everything. And by that time I also had uh, PTSD. So yeah, I just didn't know how to cope with everything. Yeah. And then uh, I went to another treatment facility for around one and a half years. <laughs> one note. One note. <laughs> How old were you then? At uh, that time? 21 or 22 when I arrived there, I think. 21, 22. Okay, so still a long way to go until you yeah. get your diagnosis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was inpatient again for... Uh, inpatient treatment like before that i was also inpatient a lot but that was an inpatient treatment for like one and a half years and i also in that time i was sent to another inpatient facility to uh, detox from alcohol and stuff and then i was sent back again so it was yeah treatment for my borderline there and they changed up a lot of diagnosis again and i don't know just a lot of things happened um but they never mentioned autism uh, oh before i went there they did actually because mm. i was supposed to go to another clinic but there they said well you might be autistic we want you to do a test before we can uh, accept you yeah and i told that to my psychiatrist and she said well we can do a quick test if you want so i said sure and then she asked can you empathize with people no and then I said, yeah, sometimes even a bit too much. And then she said, well, you're not autistic. Let's describe you in another waiting list. And then yeah. I went to another clinic. What do you think, uh, like, if there would have been a good psychiatrist at that point to see that you're autistic, what would have changed? Or, I mean, now that's difficult to say, but, yeah, like, do you think it would have uh, made it easier for you at that moment? Or were yeah. you, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because I was just constantly working on the wrong diagnosis and the wrong things. Like, I'm still not sure if I do have borderline because you can have it both. Yeah. But um, I personally don't think that I have it because all the things that are quote unquote traits from my borderline are coming from autistic things, you know, like overstimulation and that kind of stuff and the need to be under the influence so that I can act like a neurotypical stuff like that yeah um, so yeah I, I just was focusing on the wrong things mm. and if I would have known then then I had time to focus on the right things like um, making accommodations for myself and planning in more rest and just seeing how other people deal with autism so that I can also learn from that stuff. And uh, yeah, I think would have been very good if I would have known earlier. Yeah, yeah, because I was asking myself um, if it maybe for some people can be 
Yeah, I mean, don't want to say good, but okay to get diagnosed later because maybe they are at a point where they are, yeah, at a place where they can accept it more easily and mm. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I get what you're saying, but I also, n I personally know that a lot of autistic people always feel like there is something about them that's different and they never know yeah. what it is. And I think that's very harmful to not know that your brain works different like yeah knowing that the earlier the better kind of in that case yeah i personally think so yeah. yeah yeah but that can of course change compassion yeah but yeah so then i was in the clinic again blah 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 <laughs> <laughs> after that i it went good for a while and then i went to another treatment three times a week and then I got a relapse in my eating disorder. And I just now I know that because my eating disorder is just when I don't eat enough, then the outside world just gets like cloudy and foggy and it's mm -hmm. just not all coming in as hard as it normally is. So that's just something that is great. Yeah, I like i'm just jumping in here for a moment because otherwise i for will forget but when i was studying and everything was way too much like the social contacts at university and uh yeah just handling life i guess with everything that uh, that includes um when i was focusing so much on eating healthy it just gave me a world that i could yeah indulge in and that made everything else yeah, less important, I guess, because that was all that mattered, because it was the most important thing to eat healthy. Well, that's not true, but that's how it felt at that moment. And uh, so I think focusing on one thing and making that bigger and bigger and bigger can just make everything else less important and uh, also then less scary, maybe, in a way. Yeah, definitely. And it's also... Autistic people are very good at focusing on one thing. And like, mm -hmm. for me, eating and food became a focused interest. Yeah. And that was just something that I was only busy with. And it was also at that point in my life, like before, not so much, but at that point in my life, it was also a way of showing I'm not doing well. Help me. I don't know what to do anymore. You know, like mm -hmm. really uh, screams for help, actually. Yeah, for me, that was not the case at all. Like, I hated when people would say something about it. I would get very defensive and, mm. yeah, I don't know. I don't think it was a cry of help. No. For help. <laughs> but for you, it was also just really about control. And for me, it yeah. was really about just losing as much as I could. Also about the control, but... Yeah, but also like because it was all about how can I live the longest, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so it was really, I believe that I have to do all of that perfectly right. Otherwise I am, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It also sounds like you were so uh, focused on, like I, I, I can relate to that very much, that when you are doing something, you want to do it perfect and yeah. right and all the, the right amount and stuff. And when that's, focused on healthy living and eating that can get a big uh like how do you say that uh a trap maybe. or something yeah yeah, yeah. It can just get dangerous yeah. yeah yeah because it also never stops like it goes into uh furniture it goes yeah. into i don't know everything because i think you have to explain that to people how it goes into furniture <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's maybe not very obvious well like at one point you get into those uh, I don't know like I would watch webinars and stuff about then which furniture to choose that has the least is that right? the least toxins and how to build your house in a way that you live the longest and yeah which mattresses to choose like which essential oils to use when I mean I still believe that essential oils are amazing and stuff but I wouldn't like make my whole life turn around it now or think that if i'm not using the right one i will uh, die tomorrow 
you're literally the opposite of like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were living a life trying to live the longest and I was living a life trying to yeah, live the shortest like, but I think that's just why smoking and vodka and <laughs> yeah because you really yeah. like I think really when I met you that it changed because you wouldn't I don't know you would always see when something like that was going on you know yeah and before I always was very good at well, either hiding it or making up an excuse to make it seem n- seem not that bad to other people that would maybe for a moment think like, okay, is this healthy or normal, let's say? Yeah. No. Well, yeah. We're really on a very big sidetrack. Yeah. I don't well, but that happens in conversations. Yeah, I don't want it to be a conversation. That's definitely true, yes. It's at least not very stiff and scripted. Yeah. But maybe, <laughs> maybe like, let us know if that's annoying to listen to or if it's okay to have the sidetrack yeah send us a message 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 on instagram right yeah you can send us a message me on instagram at actually autistic alien or live at queer holistic (laughs) psychologist yeah or mail to living autistically podcast at gmail.com yes okay but um where were we now well, Where was I in my life? <laughs> Where am I in my relapsing life? Relapsing. Oh, I, I'm relapsing. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. I had a relapse in my anorexia. Um, a pretty big one, actually. Uh, I didn't get admitted to the hospital, so that was great. But I did uh, needed. I did had to go to a facility. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> I have never talked for so long in my whole life. <laughs> Yeah, but I did go to a facility um, where I had to go five days a week from the morning to the evening, like more than 12 hours a day. Um, And there they had this special, I want to say collaboration, I think, (laughs) with uh, the... um, It was in a big building with a lot of different specialized cares and I was at the eating disorder care of course but they also had a part for autism care and they also uh, were collabing together (laughs) and um, uh, because like one-fourth of all people with an eating disorder are also autistic that those numbers are wild but um, so I went to have a conversation with the people from the uh, autism place because I said, well, hey, I might be autistic. Well, I didn't even tell how I got there. I'm all of a sudden in an autism treatment now, center. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's a first time. Please be kind <laughs> to us. No, but I um, I saw at one point, before I uh, got to the uh, eating disorder care, I saw at one point an interview on television, on Dutch television, about... Um, uh, a girl talking about her autism and I was like shit that's really so much like me and then I bought a book from uh, Bianca Toops called but you don't look autistic at all I read that and I marked everything that I could relate to and I was like oh my god is this what's going on with me because it would make sense that then the other treatments were not working, so I was almost hoping for it to be autism, actually. <laughs> so when I had the intake, I said that uh, I think that I might be autistic, and then the psychologist that I was talking to said, oh yeah, yeah, could be, yeah, let's uh, put you in that uh, waiting list. <laughs> Let's put you on the waiting list and uh, yeah, let's see. So I was on the waiting list for a long time and then I had my assessment and uh, yeah, they told me that I was autistic. Positive, (laughs) yes. And I was so relieved, I could almost cry because it gave me so much validation. It was not my fault anymore, you know, like I felt like all the, the, the energy that I put into those therapies and they never worked. I always wanted to get better. Like, okay, not when I was like 16 or something, but from my 18th on, I always wanted to be better and I always wanted to do better and nothing helped. So yeah, I was very happy that, well, very happy also not. That's a big yeah. word because I knew that Relieved. It's like yeah, relieved. Yeah, yeah. 
but that's what so many people experience when they get diagnosed and I think that's amazing like yeah that it can help so much with yeah understanding yourself and not blaming yourself for things that happened in your past you know yeah so that is how I got to my diagnosis and after that after I got my diagnosis I still struggled a lot with like imposter syndrome thoughts that I thought I was just making it up and just I hacked the system, like hacked in quotes. Yeah, because you know all the symptoms. Exactly, <laughs> I knew all the symptoms and I read all the books, so I probably just told them things they wanted to hear, <laughs> yeah. even though I know that I was just being honest because I wanted to get good, like I wanted the real results, you know. But oh, And then uh, I think it took me almost a year until I was comfortable to even say it uh, to people and to just... Yeah, I don't know. Acknowledge it myself. Yeah. And then I also right away started to sharing everything online because why not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's your <laughs> turn to talk because I'm really like nothing is coming out anymore. <laughs> Only, bl- how do you call that again? Blubberish? No. Blub. Oh, I find <laughs> You bl- can cut that out. Yeah. Blubberish. Well, I don't know. Okay, so how do we now make a beautiful transition? <laughs> Like this. Oh, maybe just something that was going on while you were talking. I was constantly thinking, how about do I now look at you? Do I not look at you? Oh, and I also have to remember to talk into the microphone and it was just all over the place and it was very exhausting. So have fun, <laughs> have fun with that in the future while I will speak. Okay. Yeah, well, I guess I will also start with my childhood. Yeah, sure. Um... Yeah, well, I I also don't have a lot of childhood memories, just like very specific ones, which, yeah. Oh, you go on? Yeah, I want to say something because I read the other day something about not having a lot of childhood memories and that a lot of people, like a lot of autistic people and a lot of people with ADHD have that because they uh, endure so many like childhood traumas, like Mm. tiny childhood... I don't want to make it small now, so like childhood traumas that... Uh, they had to mask or be different or I don't know like stuff like that so that they just forgot yeah yeah because that's easier for the brain I to not yeah. feel all those things I d- sorry to interrupt you I no, just no. thought it was interesting to share yeah <laughs> you can always interrupt me after every word it's we'll fine. continue okay so yeah but like what I remember is that when I had friends over for example I only wanted to play with the things that I enjoyed. Like, for example, when my best friend came over, she always wanted to play with the Barbie camping edition or something like that. And yeah, I just wanted to really show her the things that I have in my room and we would go to my room. Oh, look at this. Oh, and look at this. And it was just boring as hell for her, I guess. But yeah, that's what happened every time. Yeah, (laughs) I was a really fun friend. yeah, but then also, like, uh, when I would go into a camp, for example, where other children would be, or let's say in gymnastics where also other people would be, I would always just stick to the two people or one person that I already knew. Like, it was yeah, actually impossible for me to get out of that and to meet new people. I don't know if you have that too. I was really just zoned out for a moment i'm so sorry yeah okay well uh yeah people i will just go on because uh, mick is not listening to me anyway i, I am, hope that I you am. are if not it's also okay i can talk to you listening to you what were you asking please ask well just that it was difficult for me to like and everywhere that i would go i would always stick with the people that i already knew and i couldn't mm-hmm. really meet new people because yeah. of that yeah, well, I definitely had that. And I have a sister that's almost the same age as me. We are only 14 months apart. So we were always together with everything. And yeah, that was really my safety yeah, person. I yeah, guess. I have that with Jill, my best friend. She will probably come up a lot. So yeah, like we would always do everything together. Like people would call us uh, twins and stuff. <laughs> Okay, but yeah, let's go on. Um, Yeah, I also remember situations where when I couldn't go on with what I was doing, like my plans, it would, 
Yeah, I would just end up screaming and lying on the floor, crying. For example, there was the situation where I was doing my homework because I later wanted to see uh, a friend of mine, but then my sister yeah, wanted to play with me or yeah, started filming me. That's why I remember it so good because it's on, on the video. Um, but then I just jumped up and I started screaming that I want to do homework. I want to do homework. Like, what's that for, child? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then she was running after me and I... Yeah, I just couldn't handle it, and I think there was just also a meltdown at that time. It's so sad. Yeah, yeah. My uh, when we watched that video, we all got sad. Like it was funny in a way, but also just very sad. You know? It doesn't sound funny to me. <laughs> no, it probably isn't. Poor woman. Well, and yeah, I just like I screamed a lot as a child because I couldn't handle my own emotion and emotions and would also throw with things like it was all a bit of a mess but yeah other than that I uh, also struggled a lot from selective mutism for example in the place that you go to before primary school the other children thought that I w was not able to speak and then at one point uh, I had headphones on and I started singing to music and all the other children were amazed that I could actually speak well, before that I had, hadn't s said a word Aww. and also that was happening with people in my family that I didn't see so often like I, yeah there are a lot of pictures of me where I'm then in the arm of a family member but very, you can see I'm so uncomfortable I'm very red in my face and very shy, you know and also not saying a word yeah, well I guess that's enough for a child yeah, I'm really impressed that nobody noticed that you're probably autistic yeah i don't know because everybody just thought that i was very shy and that's what i also thought until i met you you know and um yeah because also for example in primary school i was very open to the friends that i had you know every day i would call another friend to uh, do something with mm -hmm. them to play with them and uh, yeah, that's why it's a lot of ups and downs, you know, you can see in those one parts, it is very clear and other parts I like, yeah, but... Yeah, but it can also switch and also there are a lot of autistic people that are actually very social. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Yeah, and still I'm only social with people that I know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but well. yeah, I will go on with the youth. Ooh, fun! <laughs> My youth, welcome! Okay, so yeah, the first two years of high school were actually okay because I had uh, yeah, close friends that it was easy to talk with and stuff. But then the third year of high school I had to go to a different class, like they switched everything up. Yeah, fun. So we can get to know new people, always lovely. And <laughs> yeah, there, like, I, for weeks I didn't talk to anybody like in I was kind of part of the people because in I remember in the school breaks I would stand with them in a circle but they were talking and I was just yeah so frozen I couldn't say a word and I remember that one day then a friend that I had from before came up to me and she said like yeah why why are you never talking anymore? And I just started crying because I, I didn't know, but I knew that I just couldn't. But then uh, at one point I uh, got close to people in that class that were like very, I don't know, just funny and those alternative people that don't care about what other people think, you know, and with those people it was always uh, much easier to yeah, kind of get friends with. So then it was okay because I was with those people for two years. But we were always like a bit, yeah, the the group of people that was different, that didn't fit in, you know. But mm -hmm. that was amazing because that was what I needed. And yeah, yeah, we didn't really care so much, to be honest. And I really feel like those were true friends. Like I could trust them. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, am I uh, going in... 
strange directions. <laughs> no, no, it's going very well. Okay. Um, ah, yeah, then I remember situations because, well, in the mornings I would always take the bus to stations or something later than my best friend. So, yeah, she would always keep a spot for me. But my best friend is very, yeah, not chaotic, but sometimes struggling with... Uh, Time. Time. <laughs> Time management. Exactly. Let's put it like that. Uh, yeah, Jill, I love you. Sorry. Um, okay. <laughs> okay, so, um, yeah, what that meant is that I never really knew how the situation would look like in the bus. And if she would miss the bus, I would, yeah, just feel very uh, disappointed and like she let me down. And I always felt those emotions very, very strongly, but I never really could express it very good because I felt like it was not okay to feel because it's in a way not a reaction that I saw from other people. Um, because they didn't struggle so much with changing plans. Um, yeah, so that that was always a situation. And also later when we were at university, we were studying in the same city. And like, for example, one day um, we were also supposed to take the bus, but she looked at the wrong schedule. So we had to take a bus two hours later. And I imagine like for the whole day, you have to know like I was 20 at that point, you mm -hmm. know. But for the whole day, I couldn't talk to her anymore because I felt so, yeah, angry, actually. Mm. Um, because my whole plan of the day got messed up. And she, of course, didn't know how to handle it because she saw I was actually struggling, but also didn't know how to help because, yeah, we both didn't understand why that was happening so often. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And... Um, yeah, I think uh, maybe a big thing to talk about is also that I was struggling uh, with misophonia. Mm -hmm. Like that is when you are yeah, scared or have very strong physical reactions to uh, specific sounds and sometimes also just from specific people around you. For example, that meant that when I was eating with my uh, family, I, yeah, I just, it, I physically hurt because of the sounds they were making and that also ended up in me trying to eat uh, very slow so that I was eating for the whole time that they were eating so mm -hmm. that I would not be confronted with their sounds. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that does make sense. Yeah, that, that now is much better. Only I notice when I'm very overstimulated, I cannot handle it anymore. Yeah. Then those things get, yeah, back to me again and um, but yeah, I know where it's coming from and that's nice. <laughs> I really get a tense feeling when you're talking about that. Like, like I have like, uh, um, <laughs> let me rewind. I get like a tense feeling in my body as if, uh, I struggle with the misophonia at the moment, you know, like as if somebody is next to me, like that aggression in your body that, yeah. oh, oh yeah. I feel it when you talk about it very mildly, of course, but. Yeah, I really know what you uh, mean. Yeah, and it's annoying because it's just something that a lot of people don't take seriously. They just say, well, you're, yeah, I don't know, overdriving. <laughs> no, how do you say that? Overreacting. Yeah, yeah. overreacting, sorry. Um, yeah, so that's annoying because then, well, you can also not just ask other people to eat differently and stuff. Yeah, it's stop really eating. something that you have to work on, you know, and you yeah. have to adjust to and... Yeah, yeah, that's difficult in that age because you just, or at that age, you just don't know how to face situations. Mm -hmm. <laughs> at least I didn't. But yeah. Um, yeah, and also at the end of high school for three years, I was in a music class. And there, well, obviously all the people were quite loud people. Let's say when we would have a lesson, they would constantly like know uh, clap on the tables and they would I don't know sing all the time at every moment that they could yeah, and musicians uh, are the loudest yes but that was very difficult for me I was always sitting there with headphones on and then I would listen to music to have yeah sounds that I could control and yeah 
like sometimes I would even record the volume with my phone to just show people like see that's what I am going through that's how loud it is but um, yeah I think not everybody experienced it like that um, yeah but the good thing was that those were all very weird people in a way Weird. So that <laughs> yeah, but that's that that was easier to accept myself and just be myself. That was good. Yeah, I love weird people. Yeah, it's it's just nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but also there and then also at university and still to this day, I was losing a lot of friends because it's just difficult to I don't know to yeah at one point. For example, keep up with them. Like for example, when I now open WhatsApp, I right away feel overwhelmed, and then I have to close it again. I just cannot get myself to reply to them for days. And yeah, most friends that I have now understand uh, that that's the case, and they don't take it personally. But yeah, still, it always ends up in yeah discussions, maybe sometimes, and that's just difficult because I cannot really change it and yeah I also oftentimes feel bad about it and um, yeah I don't know where to go with it <laughs> yeah it's really 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 relatable really relatable like when I get a message from somebody it's a whole task of writing one back it's yeah. just very overstimulating actually I don't really understand why exactly but yeah i yeah. really relate to that and then like in moments that i feel good i will reply to them all and then i'm super yeah. happy that it's empty let's say yeah. but that also means that yeah over the coming days there yeah. will be a lot coming back and that's yeah somehow just exhausting even though i love communicating with them but i yeah. it takes a lot of energy and also, for example, making plans with friends. I always do that when I am feeling uh, good and when I am feeling ready to have social contact. But then oftentimes, even though I love them all very much the day before, I feel like, oh no, what have I done? I cannot handle it. You yeah. know? And like meeting somebody always is, yeah, maybe scary in a way because I don't know how will it be uh, about what will we talk i cannot prepare for it and yeah um yeah yeah today i talked uh with somebody on instagram about this actually that like i don't want spontaneous plans because that's too spontaneous and like i'm not ready for that but planning stuff with people is also very difficult because you do not know how you will feel on that specific day yeah and yeah a lot of the times that ends up in me cancelling plans and stuff yeah. and um yeah it's very difficult because you always have to check is it worth the recovery time because seeing people and and, and socializing with people is a lot of fun and i really love doing that but on the other hand i also need one or two days to recover from it it depends on what kind of uh, event it was sometimes even a week when it's a big event you know yeah i just need a lot of recovery time so it always comes down to is it worth the recovery time yeah yeah somehow um last year when i was living at home for a year and taking a break from my studies only now i get to understand that actually um I was meeting friends every day and it went great mm -hmm. but at that moment i didn't study i didn't work like that was what all my days were about kind of and so i had enough uh, energy to yeah. do all of that yeah and you didn't have to do the household and stuff because yeah. you were living at your mom's place so at your parents place sorry <laughs> it's okay sorry <laughs> sorry father of living yeah yeah no but um yeah that's also something that i only noticed later in life like i was always succeeding in one part you know and then the other things were not going great so i never understood what i was actually struggling with because it always was sort of circulating you know like mm -hmm. when my school was going very good then my house would be a mess but like a real mess i do not understand why nobody was just uh 
calling some help <laughs> because uh, literally I would have like plates with food and stuff standing there for weeks. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you know what that does to that, but it's not great. No. I would throw <laughs> it on, on like I'm depressed, so that's it. But I was not really depressed at that time, you know, and just didn't have the capacity of doing that. But if I was succeeding in my household and my houseworks and stuff, and then I would just go through it and organize everything, you know, and even buy all these boxes. And <laughs> I would almost, I sometimes I felt like maybe I'm having a mania or something, you know, mm -hmm. that I would just clean everything up. But then my school would really suffer under it. Yeah. I could just not do to focus on two things at the same time. Yeah. And I'm still struggling with that, but knowing it already helps a bit. Yeah, but that's also, that's something like that's so annoying because you want to do so many things like i want to do all those hobbies that i have i want to meet my friends i want to work but it's just not possible and that's something that yeah has always make me be very sad that that is something that i cannot do even though i want it so bad yeah i sometimes get that too but i for me personally i also think that it's really something that is put on me that I should want that all, you mm -hmm. know? Like, I am okay with the amount that I see my friends. I do not see them often at all. Really, not often. Maybe once in half a year. Really not often. Um, but that's okay, you know? Like, I yes, I would like to see them more because I really love them and I'm always having a good time with them. I would love to see them, like every other day but i know that it's not possible because i would not be able to do anything else so yeah i don't know maybe it's also not really i don't know yeah yeah that's something <sighs> that is uh, in process for both of us i think yeah. figuring that out and how much we can handle and how much we want to handle and yeah but i also noticed that in um a couple of weeks we will be going to luxembourg right now we're in the netherlands and I also noticed that I'm actually kind of happy about that because I will just have less planned social interactions. And yeah, it's true. okay because I'm out of the country, you know? Yeah. And all my friends and family are in the Netherlands. Yeah, and maybe they will visit, but then they will visit for two days yeah. or something. And there you know, okay, that time I will spend with my friends and nothing exactly. else. I will miss them definitely, definitely. That's not it. Yeah. Don't worry, friends and family, I will miss you. <laughs> but um, it also takes away a lot of pressure. So yeah, what I am struggling with and you too is just hypersensitivity. And yes. that I always had. And of course, misophonia was also part of that. Um, for me, it is um, mostly sounds that I'm very sensitive to and that just yeah kind of hurt me that can even be somebody sneezing in the room or something that i get very angry at them uh, yeah it it just adds up you know when i'm sitting in an apartment where i can constantly hear the street i will also be less able to hear or to handle other sounds so it's always like a balance when it's quiet i can better handle loud sounds you know because mm -hmm. that that battery is still full kind of but yeah that was not a great explanation is it also for you that everything is just coming in at the same level like i would hear the fridge yeah how do you call that snoring or something like yeah. like the fridge making that sound and somebody talking to me and i will hear that on the same level like the fridge is not less or anything yeah for me that uh, also depends on my overstimulation like mm. let's say i'm going into a bar like typical example at the beginning for the first yeah 15 minutes i will be able to focus on the person that is talking to me but then the more that is coming in and the longer that all of that stuff is coming in the less that filtering works yeah and well it happens very fast that I cannot filter it anymore and then I get annoyed by, I don't know, my t-shirt feeling some kind of way or my, like for example, if I am, I didn't have a shower recently, I can feel very tense 
but just the feeling of how not having showered feels. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so things like that. Yeah. But then also the longer I let that slip, the more difficult the step of taking a shower gets. Even though that doesn't make any sense, but then I just struggle with yeah, doing the thing that will actually help me feel better. And then what can we talk about? Um, yeah, well, something that already was present always and that people even have made fun of and that only now I can understand is that I never really knew how to find a solution to things. Like, yeah, let's say we are cooking together and then um, the next step is baking the vegetables. But uh, the pan that I'm usually using is not clean. Then I will just freeze and not be able to come up with a different plan, kind of. And to just pick another pan and do that. I'm very good at that. Yeah, that's why uh, we are great together, <laughs> I think. And that's also what mostly happens, that I am then... Well, asking you and you yeah. help me out. But that has been very annoying in the past because, yeah, it's just not very handy in day-to-day life to not know how to do things. And, like, when I don't... Beca- I think it's also because I struggle with doing things the most efficient and good way, best way possible. And then when it cannot really happen the way that it should have then well then nothing is good anymore then the way you have it in your mind yeah. maybe <laughs> yeah the way i have it in my mind is better <laughs> yeah um yeah and that's also maybe related to that in a way like when i want to do something i oftentimes still cannot do it let's say i am yeah just living through my day also i had it yesterday for example and i I am not really doing anything, I am, I don't know, scrolling on social media and I feel like I want to do something nice, I want to go to nature, I want to read, I want to do yoga or yeah, whatever, you name it, and I have all those things in my mind that I really want to do but I just cannot get myself to do it. Because there are, I guess there are just too many steps, like with doing Mm -hmm. yoga then it's the question, okay but where do I do it? If I do it outside, how do I put the yoga mat there? And what do I wear? Do I change my clothes or do I just stay in the clothes that I am and don't care? But then later I will have to wash those clothes. Do I have enough other clothes to wear instead? And it's just yeah. all a bit... What kind of yoga will you do? How long? Yeah. Yeah, and then you're overstimulated before you've even started. Exactly. Yeah, and I have that yeah. with everything. Well, almost everything. It's really difficult yeah yeah that sucks because then you just stay in that situation that that you actually don't really want to be in just because you cannot do the alternative that you actually want to and that would help you if you could just from one second to the other switch to that task right (laughs) i think so yeah well at least that that's how it's for me i mean it's maybe not a question about right or wrong but no true (laughs) um yeah, and also, um, well, if I don't know what things I actually like doing, like I don't, if I don't have it written down somewhere, I will not know what to do at all. Like, for example, for yeah, jobs that I'm working on or uh, hobbies that I like engaging in at the moment, I need to write them all down somewhere so that I can actually see them. Otherwise, they don't exist in my possibilities Mm -hmm. of things to engage in and that's also why I always when we say oh you have to remind me of that like when Mick asks me to remind them of contacting somebody I have to write it down otherwise my head spins all the time just remind Mick remind Mick Mm -hmm. remind Mick and it's very exhausting and yeah I just have to write everything down yeah. And yeah, otherwise I will forget. Or I, maybe I will not, but I'm just too scared about forgetting. And yeah, 
I also should have reminded you to contact somebody. Huh? But I didn't, and I don't remember now who it was. <laughs> yeah, yesterday, I think you said to me, remind me to... Uh, we'll think about it later. Yeah, so that was <laughs> an example. Um, but um, I, w I thought maybe it's uh, nice if you tell them a bit about how you got to this, to realizing that all those things might be connected to being autistic. Not. Okay. Um, well, I knew that I was struggling with all those kinds of things. And I thought for a long time that this was just me being, yeah, not being able to handle things and not making the right choices maybe and um social anxiety yes maybe. Uh, like i have the diagnosis social anxiety disorder and that of course was an easy way to put all those things in that box but still it didn't really cover it all because for example when i am with people it's not like i am really anxious about speaking with them but i just can't you know yeah it's it's just totally blocked and it's not like I am scared about what will they think because I'm really over that like being scared of the judgment of others but still the social anxiety or what I experience is there it hasn't yeah. changed um, yeah so but then <laughs> when I got to know Mick um, it really turned around like it I think it was quite a process we were living together and then at one point uh, you gave me the book I think also from um, yeah. Bianca Tux. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry to talk Dutch, yeah true. Yeah, yeah. We could, uh, okay. Um, and then I at one point I said to you like oh I feel like I relate to a lot of those things and then you answered to me with well, I already think for a long time that you are probably autistic. Yeah. <laughs> and then I got very much into it. You know, I watched videos about it all the time. I made all the tests that there are online. Um, yeah, they always just scored very high, like in, in every test. But yeah. then that came with the problem that I felt like, okay, but I know now all those symptoms. And that's why I score so high and that's why I uh, can relate to those things just because I suck them all up and mm. yeah, that's where imposter syndrome kicked in. And yeah. also now, like I feel like, okay, but maybe we spend a lot of time together and maybe I'm just now starting to mimic you or... Yeah. You know, I'm just also watching more things from the autistic community and actually I'm just understanding myself and letting myself be just who I am, you yeah. know, and not not hiding those parts of me anymore. But sometimes it still feels like, um, yeah, I'm just pretending or yeah, fleeing. Fleeing, can you say? I do not know what you mean. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> running away yeah. into a box that makes sense and is giving me an explanation. But that <laughs> sounds like a valid point, right? Yeah. Yeah, it does. And also, like, we, when we got to know each other, we first clicked, um, yeah, about a lot of things, but definitely also uh, we clicked because our brain just worked the same yeah like on our first dates we were always playing those uh, question games from skin deep and yeah we we just it was all the time a conversation going like oh yes you do that too oh yeah, yeah i can relate to that and i think i never met a human that worked so much the same <laughs> you know yeah and also in day-to-day -day life like when we're doing things we just get each other and we just get what we're doing with what the both of us are like yeah. it's a bit difficult to really explain but i think that that says enough like that's the biggest test you can do to see if you're autistic like really just 
working the same on the inside as an autistic person and i think the two really are yeah and also i think for me the most validating thing is when you see those things and you say those things much more it should be much more validating than if a yeah psychiatrist that is not autistic and has only a very limited view on autism mm. uh, gives you a diagnosis yeah well that's no, cut that out. It's not good because that's also validating. It should be validating, you know. But I will not cut it out because it is. Um, I like. I do. I, I understand what you mean, and I think it's very important to just keep that in there because I think a lot of people see the like the the, the judgment of a psychiatrist or, or a psychologist um, as way more validating as it maybe should be because mm. like psychiatrists definitely are not always right no no but i mean if there are people out there that uh, have been diagnosed from a psychiatrist that is great i mean oh yeah well nice i got diagnosed yeah. by psychiatrists and i am i was very relieved and felt really validated in that moment after that all the imposter syndrome came and stuff yeah. but at that moment i felt really validated but i think that the autistic community is way more important for autistic people and can be way more validating and i think that that's something that uh, we should go towards too that that autistic mm -hmm. people like the autistic community can expand and that autistic people can be uh, the psychiatrist that will diagnose autistic people you know like yeah. that would make a lot of sense to me yeah yeah and then i think it's important to keep in mind that for example when you are listening to people that are autistic and their experiences that you can still be autistic even though you have different experiences yes because i think that happens to lots of us if we see a video of somebody saying oh i always have this when I do this and that if you don't relate then you start questioning yeah. yeah but am I autistic then but yeah we are all different and we are all different human beings and we are not only autistic no know? exactly and also autism shows in so many different forms that's why it's a spectrum you know like one person can talk a lot and the other person doesn't talk at all and there is a lot of in between there you know and that's yeah. with everything I had that a lot when I saw people like a lot of autistic people cannot handle when their food touches each other, you know, like yeah. when different compartments of food touch each other. I do not mind at all. I love it when everything is yeah, mixed. Me and I mean, it, not if it's a cold salad mixed with warm potatoes. <laughs> no, please oh, no. Oh, that can be delicious. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No. You're not autistic. That is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, that's not how it works. No, but I used to see a lot of those uh, uh, TikToks of people saying, oh, I cannot handle it when food touches each other. And I would always be like, um, but I can. Am I? No, I'm not autistic. And it now sounds really strange to me because that's only one tiny thing. And like, even if I do not relate with anything, like it, I can still be autistic. Yeah, but that's just your tiny inner monster trying to invalidate you. Yes, trying to break you down. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think we kind of... Uh, well, yeah, no, I do want to say something because at, uh, a while back I talked about, <laughs> like a long time back, I talked about the... Um, eating disorder making it so nice for me that not everything was coming in very loud and stuff um to not eat enough and i said then that that was really great and i wanted to say after that that now i do that with um wearing earplugs and putting my noise cancelling headphones on and stuff like that to not get too many uh simulations coming in you know but I think we got sidetracked and I didn't say that anymore. And now there's just a part of me saying not eating is great. <laughs> <laughs> I just want you to know that um, that was for me helpful. It also almost killed me. And now I just use other things to... Um, Better options. <laughs> yeah, just healthier options to deal with overstimulation and the world coming in like for example taking an hour every day after lunch under my heavy blanket with uh, 
uh, a blindfold and my noise cancelling headphones and just wearing my noise cancelling headphones everywhere I go always like when I take them off I feel so strange <laughs> <laughs> it's like your underwear well yeah my upperwear <laughs> <laughs> headwear okay that was not funny almost <laughs> yeah but I just wanted to clarify that and that give you some tips that might help you also if you're struggling with that maybe uh Wear some earplugs. And I know that wear some earplugs, it will not help you just immediately to get rid of your eating disorder. But those are things that just helped me. And if you got triggered by anything we said, like, uh, yeah, in our talk about eating disorders or anything else, please reach out to people that care about you. Or, uh, yeah, look up resources to help you. And um, be kind to yourself because it's okay. And you, like, I also get triggered by things and then I mean I, you shouldn't be angry at yourself about it just try to take extra care of you and uh, yeah we will see you no we will he hear you no we will talk to you <laughs> next week I think yeah let us know if you liked it and if you have any things that you want to say to us just Write us an email or Instagram message. And yeah, talk to you soon. <laughs>